Welcome back to another installment, a weekly installment. Hopefully it's so regular that you just plan on it at this point. I think this is probably our Pick and Bones episode number oh, five, maybe? I think it's number five. But it's the guy who's nice. been here with me since day one's very first Pick and Bones episode. Everyone's favorite person ever <laughs> on the podcast, Mr. Brandon Martin. Brandon, so good to be talking to you again, buddy. Yeah, great to be talking to you. I, you know, I've got some buddies who, uh, who are excited about shed hunting. And so we're, we're, in fact, we might actually even go out this Saturday to, uh, to look a little bit. So we're excited oh, about boy. that. So every time I think about that or, or hear someone uh, say anything about it, I think of you. So hopefully <laughs> we'll, we'll make you proud this weekend. Oh yeah. Hey, just the fact that <laughs> the fact that you're going to go makes me proud, buddy. It's it's uh yeah it yes, I love yes I love shed hunting um everybody knows that but um yeah I just went out yes. yesterday with the kids I don't know if you saw my post or not um we we found no, I didn't see it how'd it go it went really well we found uh one shed about 15 minutes into the into the search which is always nice to keep those Good. short keep those short attention spans yes, in check absolutely <laughs> yes but it's uh. It's been a good shed season so far. I've picked up three. I'm at three on my shed count, and we aren't quite to March yet. And so, yeah. anytime you can have, you know, I'd say I'd say two plus sheds in February, you know, it bodes well for a pretty good shed season. Yes. So, there are some guys though go yes. all the way back to yeah. episode number eight of the podcast when my good buddy Chris Dyer. Um, was on the podcast. By the way, Chris Dyer, mm. I, man, as far as whitetail hunters go, that guy is something yeah. else. He shot a 190. Oh, man. Shot a 190 late muzzleloader this year here in Iowa. Shoo. And uh, yeah. as of yesterday, so today is February 27th. So as of February yep. 26th, he picked up his 27th shed of the year he my goodness he is Man, on fire that's on another level yeah yeah and wow you know caleb has been checking his trail cameras kind of keeping tabs yeah. on you know who's still holding the antlers and everything like that yeah and based on his data which he's had quite a few bucks on camera on multiple farms based on his yeah. data we're probably at like 80 to 85 percent of bucks that have been on his camera as of last week um yes. look like they're still holding so i mean that's wow, that's okay. that that number's changing significantly by the day at this point in shed sure. season you know yep. so it's probably yep. you know it's probably like 75 70 75 now and you know by yeah. the end of this weekend it'll probably be like you know 60 maybe 55 60% still holding yep. and then within you know, within two weeks, it'll be down to, you know, 15 to 20% are still holding. So we're, uh, yeah. we're definitely, you know, getting into the thick of it now, but, uh, he picked up all those sheds before that time. So just, just incredible stats there for my good buddy, Chris, but that's not what yeah. we're here to talk about tonight. I mean, technically we always talk about sheds when I'm on the, on the yeah. call, but <laughs> But uh, t t t tonight, uh, we're to, we're going to talk about 
a hot button issue, and that's the theme of picking bones here. Oftentimes, we're going to be talking a little uh, over some controversial things, or maybe calling out something stupid that we've been seeing going on in the hunting world, or maybe diving into a just a topic a little deeper or something like that. But on this one, I want to talk about hunting at game preserves, and I brought Brandon on because Brandon has experience doing this. And as of this past Saturday, I just did my first ever game preserve hunt. Nice. And uh, how did it go? It went it went really well. I don't have anything wrong with it. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Um, yes. How? Uh, why don't you just share your feelings on it, Brandon? Maybe uh, uh, yeah. kind of your your pros and cons that you've noticed in yep. your participation. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So. So, I mean, I think, you know, number one, there's, you know, just to kind of create a, a specification for people, you know, there's, there's game preserves and then there's high fence. So, you mm. know, those of us who are, who are speaking about game preserves, you know, typically we're not talking about high fence. I mean, that's a, that's a part of the topic that we you know could maybe discuss as well, but traditionally game preserves, like my experience with game preserves, I've done a lot of hunts um, here in Delaware, you know, we've got great whitetail hunting, you know, we've got some small game hunting, but you know, when you're talking about upland game hunting or something of that nature, we really have a very limited, you know, uh, uh, availability and just a limited species, you know, on, on the, the quail, the pheasant, you know, that side of things. And so, you know, I've found it to be great because, you know, it's, it's something for, for those of us out on, on this side of things, we're not going to, unless we travel, which, which of course, Hey, go out, there you know get get your adventures under your belt where you can and 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 live the real deal if you can but Hmm. for those of us that can't it really provides an opportunity to have that that really that that real type of experience where you're getting to to go out there hunt the pheasants hunt the trucker hunt the quail see the dog's point watch the dogs in action um one of the cool things that i've been able to experience with it has been uh being able to take guys out there for the first time now these would typically be individuals who have some shooting ability you know anyone who's been out hunting a chucker you know you you've got to be able to you know you've got to be able to shoot a gun well oh yeah uh, you've got to you know you've got to know your safety regiment all that type of stuff so i mean you know you're not gonna you're not gonna take a 10 year old out who's never shot clays before and do a hunt like this but individuals who maybe they they have a you know a backdrop of shooting and some ability there but maybe have never gotten to experience a hunt great experience for someone, you know, people like that. Um, wonderful experience for, for individuals to, who are newer to hunting, you know, enjoy the camaraderie, you're walking through a field together. And so it, for my experience has been tremendous. You know, I kind of, I've been doing uh, these type of hunts all the way back to my teenage years. You know, my, my parents would get these things, these hunts for us for like Christmas gifts and things like that. And, you know, it, it's great because it's something that is an experience. You know, so if you can invest in an experience, it, it really, you take those memories with you. And I mean, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm thinking of multiple hunts that, you know, what, I, what I've kind of done over the last, I'm going to call it 10 years is traditionally every year, I'll get together a group of guys and we will either do an upland game hunt together, or we will do a deep sea fishing trip together. Mm. And so for the past, you know, about four to five years, I've been doing deep sea trips. And so we've done one of those each year. It's been tremendous before that. 
we had done about four straight, you know, for four years in a row, we had done an upland game hunt. And usually it was different guys. We would try to kind of blend different guys into it and whatnot. And so it's been a tremendous experience from, from my side of things. I'm very curious to hear your experience having done your first one just this past Saturday. What's your take on it? Well, I think you make some great points there. And, you know, uh, so I guess I should, I should maybe show my cards a little bit here and going into it. I didn't quite know what to think, you know, there's a real stigma around, and I think you did a good job at the beginning of what you were saying there, delineating between, uh, high fence hunts and game preserve hunts. Yep. But I've also even changed my opinion on high fence hunts based on oh. talking to a guy um, from down in Texas and to another guy who just moved from Iowa to Texas where they're hunting on yeah. uh, high fence operations that are thousands of acres in yes. size. Yes. And yes. Uh, right. so you're, you're still dealing with, you know, in large part, you, you oh, know, yeah. with wild, wild, wild yeah. yeah, free range critters. Yeah. Yeah. Now you go you put that high fence around a 200 acre operation. Now, you know, I'm, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, yes. you, what's legal is legal, but yes, not yes. my cup of tea, but, yeah. uh, with the game preserve. So what I did was a pheasant hunt. <clears throat> they also yeah. had quail and they also had chucker, like you mentioned. Nice. Yeah. And I thought, you know, oh, you hear all these things about pen-raised birds. They, you know, they're, they're brainless. They have no survival instinct. And, you know, it's it's shooting fish in a barrel, that type of thing. Well, yeah. I, I was immediately surprised by how similar it, it was not the same. I'm not going to say that. It was not the same yes. as hunting yeah. wild pheasants. Right. However... I was surprised at how close it was to that for one. Nice. Good. But the biggest thing that I came away from, from that as far as like, okay, what do you gain from that as a hunter? You know, of course the camaraderie, like you talked about, that was fantastic. I only knew one guy that I was hunting with, which I got to say, that makes me nervous when I hunt with people I've never hunted with before, unless I know, unless I know them very well personally, I just, yes. you know, I, 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 you, you only get one chance to be really wrong, you know, but I got to say all yeah, the guys yeah. there, very safe, you know, excellent, Good. excellent, uh, hunting, uh, uh, yeah. uh, report or not rapport, uh, just, uh, like the way they conducted themselves. I can't think of the right word here, but, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Th- so they were fantastic guys we all left friends, which was cool, you know, just yeah, had a lot of great good. conversations and everything. So that obviously, you know, very high on the list, that value. Yeah. Yeah. And, but from just like a, what do you gain from it as, as a, yeah. you know, a hunter? Well, if you have, yeah. I think there's really two things you gain. Number one, if you own bird dogs and you take them to hunt like this, that is yeah. basically the that's that's like scrimmaging for football practice. You know, when you yeah. scrimmage, that's it's one thing to you know. We used to do these things in football practice called half line drills, where if it was mm-hmm. a play that was going to be run to the right side, you'd ha- you'd only do the right side of the offensive line, 
And uh, yep. then the other guys would go kind of stand on the other side. And it was sort of like a scrimmage. So that might be kind of like when you put your pheasant wing out in the tall grass in your yard and have your dog go find yes. it, you know. But when you went full go 11 on 11, bust out the pennies or the beanies and put them yep. on your helmet or over your pads or whatever, now's when you start to see, okay, is the play going to work like we've been practicing it? It's not yes. the same thing as the game. But you get a lot more reps in, you get retries, you get, you know, all these things that help you hone the skill. And so what that value was was incredible because this year was just a kind of a fluke year for pheasant hunting for me. I bet I flushed maybe 30 hens this year. And uh, I bet I flushed... uh, Less than 15 shootable roosters. And uh, I only got a piece of one rooster this year. uh, Caleb had to finish it off for me, actually. Um, uh, (laughs) My dogs just did not get hardly any reward for their efforts this year. Not that they need the trophy on the wall, so to speak. But for a dog, that that reinforces that hunting instinct that that reinforces to them. This is what we're out here to do. Okay. You know, and when you only get to do that for just a couple months out of the year during the regular hunting season, you can have a situation like I just had where your dogs don't get enough of that quality practice. So that was number one. The second thing was, man, clay pigeons will take you a long ways and becoming a good shooter. Shooting at live birds yeah. takes you another step beyond that. And and I was oh, reminded yeah. how much practice I need. But uh yeah. uh you know, it was by the end of the day I was shooting much better, got a couple birds. Yep. And uh yeah. you know, it just it those two things. And so yeah. here's where this like kind of all comes together. After the hunt, the guy who organized it for us he is a member of that club and that club is only like 20, 25 minutes from my house. And he said, Hey Kent, you, you know, and he had a dog out there that he runs every week during, while this operation is open. They're open from, I think October through the end of March. And he has his dog out there every week, not buying birds, but hunting scratch birds. So the birds that the hunting, the hunting, party before they bought 15 birds and only shot 10 of them well now that means there's five birds out there that nobody got and so they'll let members of the club come in and hunt those scratch birds to get to work their dogs and and get more shooting practice and hiking in you know and so um he's like you should consider doing this and i really think i might because i saw that value in extending extending my dog season getting that wing shooting practice for me Giving my dogs just a great time. They were loving it. Um, my yeah. uh, half Brittany, half Poodle, she was lights out. I mean, she was – She. I've never seen her hunt so well. I knew she was a good hunter, but that showed yes. me, like, what she's really capable of. She was – everyone yeah. was really happy with her. And then Theo, he's getting a little older. You know, he's going to be eight in April. And yeah. – uh, yeah. but he had, you know, uh, at least three really nice points – and, uh, um, you know, I got to shoot a chucker that he found and, uh, and pointed for me and, uh, you know, and he was just having a great time being out there too. And so yeah. all of that, you know, together in that package shows you how much value are you shooting wild birds? No. 
Does it take less skill in some ways? Yes. Does that mean that it's a waste of time? No. You know, I get to right. eat those birds. I could, yep. I, I could go to the, I could go to the grocery store and buy chicken, but, but I think that I've earned these pheasants a little bit more yeah. than I will have earned that the chicken. Not that the yes. buying the chicken and eating the chicken is wrong. Yeah. But I just don't see how you can totally write off these preserve hunts. I think there's a ton yeah. of value there. And then also, uh, this is a good reason to turn in, tune into the uh, podcast I do for my job at Hoxie Native Seeds, uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. We're going to interview the guy who runs that operation. And he's, in a way, kind of a half-retired farmer and did this when he got out of the livestock side of farming. He he uh, doesn't own a 1,000 acres. He doesn't. He's not able to keep up with, uh, sadly, what the conventional ag model has become where you have to own, you know, 1,000-plus acres or at least operate on 1,000-plus acres to be able to make enough money to just support one farmer, you know, let alone right. a, a couple. He said, I only have 520 acres. I put half of it into CRP, so I get my CRP payment off of that. I get to use that CRP during the open window for when I can be on it for running these hunts. Yep. And uh, bringing in the income off of that, plus he does have some uh, row crops that he does on the remaining half of his acres. Uh, between all that, he makes enough money to fully support uh, four or five working people, uh, which is just wow. outstanding. So ton of value yeah. there. Help a small business. Help a small farmer. Yep. Get your dog some work. Get yourself some work. And go and give yourself a shot at a hunting preserve. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Also, here's another piece of free, of free advice for you. You need to check out our two sponsors, Spartan Forge, our presenting sponsor. You need to get on board with them. Get that mapping app going so you know what you're doing when you're going out shed hunting this spring or deer hunting this fall or maybe setting up your tree stands this spring. It's the perfect time of year to be doing it so you're not sweating to death. And uh, you can uh, uh, use the deer behavior prediction features come in the fall. For right now, you can map out where you have access on private land to hunt or maybe map out where some of the public land is as well. Uh, Spartan Forge has you covered for that too. And then you need to also check in with our good buddy, Alex, who couldn't join us on the call tonight. He was uh, busy doing a hunt plan for a, a client. That client could be you. Uh, all you got to do is go to eastwesthunts.com and uh, sign up for any service that Alex offers. I suggest subscribing to the uh, full-on hunt package subscription service uh, for just under a thousand bucks a year. Alex will have you totally covered for all of your hunts that year and will uh, help you through every step of the way with applying for tags, applying for or uh, setting up uh, spots for your base camp, finding watering holes, finding where you should be glassing, where animals uh, should be found on your map. He'll Upload that right to your own mapping service, and uh, we'll get you all set up for that hunt. So go to eastwesthunts.com, use the code FIRSTGEN10, save yourself 10% off that final cost. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for jumping in tonight, buddy. It's great catching up with you again, yeah. and uh, hope you guys find some sheds this weekend. Oh, my goodness, man. I, I'm excited. You know, it, it's something that <laughs> having, you know, tr truly, honestly, you know, having 
chatted with you over the last couple of years has really kind of born in me some excitement with that. You know, last year we had, we kind of did a guy's, you know, Saturday where we, you know, we went up to the property, we, you know, did the shed hunting, end up finding a, you know, a couple of deadheads found a shed of, of X, Professor X. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you know, we did it. We just, you know, did some shooting, did some clay, you know, clay pigeon shooting. We, you know, blew some things up, had a great time. <laughs> so, you know, that's a, that's kind of, I think going to be a tradition going forward too. So, you know, it's amazing how there's always, there's always a new season to celebrate around and, you know, you mix great fellowship with that and you're, you know, you got great memories and a great time to come. So excited to see what happens. I'll keep you posted. Hopefully we'll find a, a couple sheds and get, get the ball rolling with things. Yeah, for sure. Hope the story continues on X. Hope you pick up a bunch of sheds. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you to everyone for tuning into this episode of Picking Bones here on the First Gen Hunter Podcast. Until next time, take care and take someone hunting.